Great, thank you for reading, Joe, and uh, for that worship, Calvin. Really looking forward to digging into God's Word today. Do keep your Bibles open, if you can, at Philippians chapter 2, as we look at that together this morning. This is message number five in our series, Working Our Way Through the Book of Philippians, that we've called this whole series, One Thing. And later on, we in the book we read, Calvin's mentioned it in song, and we've had it in our opener there, that our series title comes from these verses later in Philippians chapter 3, but where Paul says, says, but one thing I do. And what is it he says is the one thing, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we've been learning that Paul writes this letter to the Philippians from imprisonment in Rome whilst under house arrest. He writes to a church that he loves, that he loves deeply, that he wants to encourage. And Paul is saying in lots of different ways throughout this letter that there is one focus, there's one aim, one thing that he does, and that is to press on in the commitment to follow Jesus today and uh, the days, all the days into eternity, the upward call of God in Christ. You have our hearts, Lord, take our lives. And today's message, as part of that broader one thing theme, I've called working out what God works in. Because it seems to me the key verse from our reading that Joe read for us is uh, verses 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And we'll unpack what that means together in the context of this whole section that we've heard read. Now, you'll have heard of this expression, you are what you eat. The idea is that it's important to think carefully about what you put into your body because that influences the kind of body that you have. Some of us don't like this idea very much. There's fruit and vegetables around that particular phrase, you are what we eat, but it may not be everybody's experience. I quite enjoyed this cartoon. Don't forget you are what you eat. I need to eat a skinny person. Some of us may resonate with that more than others. And I'm hoping that you don't, I don't get you to share with your neighbour what you eat and so therefore what you are. The saying apparently originates back in the 1820s when a French lawyer, can't quite pronounce his name, he was quoted as saying, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. So there's this idea that what we fill our bodies with affects who we become. Now I've spotted an interesting looking event happening down in Selsey. Are there people in our church who live in Selsey? Not really, or not wanting to admit it to the Chichester crowds. <laughs> it was an event that used to be that was at um, it used to be called Bun Leisure. I think it's called Seal Bay Holiday Park now. And this event was uh, reported on the BBC News main webpage. It was obviously big news. Now, um, uh, Selsey Bay Holiday Park hosted a qualifying event for Major League Eating, where twelve competitive eaters were seeing who could eat the most hot dogs in 10 minutes. And the winner of the heat in Selsey, let me remind you, would go through to the World Cup final in New York. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I'm not actually sure who won the heat. I couldn't find out that information. But the world record is currently 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I know. With bun. I know. This takes you are what you eat to a whole nother level, doesn't it? Now, just while I'm here, and this is very self-indulgent and is a complete aside, the last time I was in Selsey at Seal Bay, this was a little while ago, some years ago, look who I bumped into. 
Does anyone know who that is? It's the darts legend Bobby George, everybody. Look at that. Can you see the bling? And I had, I had absolutely no shame in thrusting my phone at Kevin and saying, I need a photo with the darts legend. So really what I'm saying is if you live in Selsey and you don't want to admit it today, it's a classy place, hot dog, major league eating, and Bobby da George, the darts legend, is there. I do love some darts. And I'm, I'm there for Selsey. It's all good. You are what you eat. What you put in affects what comes out, who you are. And as part of Paul's encouragement to the Philippian Christians in this passage is to be aware actually of what God puts in to us, what's being fed into us, because that's the thing that will be worked out. If you just look back in your Bibles, a, a passage we've looked at before from Philippians 1:27 up to 2 verse 11, just before our passage today, Paul's been encouraging the Philippians to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. You might, might remember that. I spoke about that. Whatever happens, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's been teaching about unity and harmony and humility. And he's highlighted the example of Jesus that we looked at last week and his perfect obedience and self-sacrifice. And with all of that in mind, hence the therefore in verse 12, Paul urges the Philippians to obediently put this teaching into practice. So in our passage today, Paul explains to the Philippian church how to apply what it is that he's been teaching them. Verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, we just need to spend a moment understanding this phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That phrase has caused concern and confusion for some. It sounds like Paul is saying that we have to work to be saved, work out your salvation, that there are duties and obligations that go with salvation. But actually, if we look broader at Paul's writings in the New Testament, that, that can't be what this means because Paul regularly emphasizes elsewhere that we are saved by faith, not by working anything out. Ephesians chapter 2, for example, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved freely by grace through faith. It's a free gift. Work out your salvation sounds at odds with that free gift of grace, unless you read the whole phrase together. Have a look at it. If you look at that, those verses, who is it who's doing the work? Look at verse 13. God is the one working within every believer and working within the church. I love the Greek word for work, actually, here. It's, it's the word, Greek word energeo, and it's a strengthened form of the word work, where, of course, we get the word energy from, that God is the one who's energetically, by his spirit, working within each believer and within the church, actively transforming us individually and corporately according to his will, according to his purpose. Work out your salvation because it's God who works in you. So we only work out what God has already worked in. And what he's worked in, he's given us freely by grace 
through faith. And actually the Ephesians passage we just looked at actually continues in the same way. We've just read this. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then Paul says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do God good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And it's because God has worked his free gift of salvation in us that's when we're to work that out in our lives and in our behaviours. Not to earn it, but as a result of the free gift we're given. And this is what sets apart the Christian gospel, that the gift of faith is absolutely free, absolutely free. We don't have to work a bean, a penny, an activity at all to earn it. But when we're saved, when we realise what God has worked in, we remember actually, goodness, we're God's handiwork and we're created to do good works that he's prepared for us to do. So if we go back to uh, Philippians chapter 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it says. And uh, fear and trembling has got that sense of, of awe and reverence. There's an appropriate reverence for God at this free gift of salvation we've been given for what, who he is and what he does and what he's worked into our lives that we then work out. I briefly shared at the church meeting a couple of weeks ago that this autumn marks 20 years for me in church-based Christian ministry. I was ordained as a Baptist minister on October the 11th, 2003. So next week, that will be 20 years. And I can't believe that, really. Time is such a funny thing, isn't it? You can tell me on the door, if you like, that I look so young. And I can't possibly be old enough to have been in Christian ministry for 20 years. Thank you very much. And 12 of those 20 years, I had eight years at a church in southwest London. And 12 of those 20 years have been here in this church family at CBC. And it just feels like a significant milestone for me. And I've just felt myself personally, I've wanted to mark it in various different ways. And I've done that with certain invitations that I've been given that I've said yes to. I've said more yeses this year to things outside of the church than I might normally because I wanted to mark what is it, you know, 20 years wanting to serve a bit more wider in different ways. I spent some of the summer reflecting on those 20 years and thinking about what I've learned. And uh, Kevin and I also got together with some friends that I trained at Spurgeon's College with for a weekend retreat. Two other couples that I trained with 20 years ago and we wanted to actually mark that milestone together here we are on the beach in Pevensey Bay we had prayed together before the champagne on the beach and we did witness to a fisherman actually interestingly or one of the guys did uh, when we were there but there we are together and it was just a really special time I think there's something really important about milestones and marking things I'm not sure we're always very good at that and it's felt important to me to mark this milestone and one of the, um, the helpful things about being with that group of friends was reflecting on the highs and lows of God's faithful, of the highs and lows of our lives together. All the different things that we've gone through in 20 years. Goodness me, amongst the six of us, there's been some incredible, wonderful blessings and some shattering lows in this group. But actually, here we are after 20 years, still standing and a testimony to God's faithfulness that God has been with us. And one of the helpful things about that gathering 
and my summer reflections and some of my yeses this year wider to serving the wider church was the sense that God is reminding me and has been reminding me that the hopes and prayers that I had for local church all those years ago right at the start are actually still the same all these years on. To be a disciple who makes disciples, to lead a church into those things, to to being a disciple-making community, following Jesus together simply and wholeheartedly. And working our way through Philippians this term feels very timely with all of this. This kind of key verse later in Philippians 3 has been very important to me over those 20 years. It's a key scripture. There's one thing I do, but there's one thing we do. What do we do? Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, pressing on towards the goal together to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ. You have our hearts, Lord, take our lives. And as we explore Philippians 2 today, this fits as well with some of the things I've been thinking. Work out what God has worked in, what God has given and sown into our lives, the gift of faith he's given that he's energetically continuing to work in us through his Holy Spirit, that we continue to be individuals and a community together who work out what God has worked in. In the second section of this passage, Paul starts to talk to us about what that looks like. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing, he says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ Jesus that I did not run or labor in vain. The application of working out what God has worked in is to shine, to have a demeanor that shines, shine like stars in the sky as we hold firmly to the word of life. For our our manner, our exterior, our behavior, and our attitude to to be shiny, to be bright. Paul is saying to the Philippians that by refraining from grumbling and complaining, they'd prove themselves to be blameless in contrast with the surrounding pagan society. Paul wasn't exaggerating when he described Philippian society as crooked and depraved in our passage. And rather than feeling intimidated by the pagans and and cowering and hiding from their society, Paul wants them to shine like stars that their testimony and behavior, uh, as they shine brightly and manifestly to those around them, would point to this Jesus. Not grumbling and complaining is an example of this wider application to shine. If all of us Christians did everything without grumbling or complaining, imagine the impact. It's incredibly challenging. Some scripture is very simple to read and very hard to apply. What did I talk about this last week? All because of our demeanor pointing to Jesus. What has worked in us through the Holy Spirit is worked out in behavior that shines. God has things that he has worked into our own lives as individual Christians. You'll know yourself. What what has God been doing in you? What's he promised you over the years? What's he called you to? Where's he placed you in your front line? Where is God working in you that he wants you to work out? But actually God also works in us as a a community too. And we can get a sense of what he's working in us as a gathered church. 
We're to shine as individual Christians, but we're to shine too to be, to be beacons of light as church communities. A few years ago, we looked at some of our emphases as a church and what we felt God was wanting us to communicate amongst ourselves and to our community around us. It was, a, it was I guess it was kind of like, what is our church demeanor, if you like? How are we to shine? And we framed that in four values. And as we think about what God has worked in us and shining for him, let me remind you what our values are. If you're coming to our newcomers brunch today, you'll hear a little bit of this again, because we try to share with our newcomers what our values here at CBC are. And Andy might think about this a bit more next week. But here are our CBC values, four of them, four commitments. Um, And they're these, that we have a commitment to being missionally shaped, a commitment to being family together, a commitment to the lost, the last, and the least, and a commitment to unity and partnership. And it's worth just noting there how holding to these values will help us to shine, to shine like stars in our community, in our society, and, how, and to work out the faith that God has worked in us as a group of believers. Our commitment to mission is about prioritizing those who don't know the good news of Jesus and making sure in everything that we do, we're helping give people opportunity to discover that. A commitment to being family together is about modeling family rather than being just an organization with structures and programs that we're living and breathing with family together, that a culture of family is a hallmark, treating each other with love and respect. A commitment to the lost, the last and the least is prioritizing those people who Jesus would, who are on the margins or who have the least, leaning into justice and compassion. And a commitment to unity and partnership is acknowledging that we're just one church amongst many in this city. There are lots of great churches here that we treasure our unity and we look to work in partnership in in our compassion ministries for the good of the city. Working out as a community, as a CBC community, what God has worked in and shining like stars. Please pray with me that these would be the hallmarks, that these would really be our demeanour as church family. Paul ends by alluding to the fact that he expects that he might die through martyrdom. If you look at that, he talks about being poured out like a drink offering, using that sacrificial kind of altar language, verse 17. And yet he still rejoices in that. Paul had this one thing in mind, pressing on to Jesus. And just one one final thought about stars and shining like stars, which might spur us on to know how to pray for ourselves and for us as a community as we worship together in a moment. For most 21st century people, of course, stars are just beautiful objects in the night sky. But for those in the first century, stars weren't just beautiful. They were also seen as part of a finely tuned, creative, harmonious society, a beautifully ordered society. Stars were also indispensable in navigation in a way that they're not today. The movements and patterns of the stars show direction and travellers studied and watched them carefully on their journeys. Paul wanted the Philippians to lead people and illuminate their path to Jesus. So as we pray about how to work out what God has worked in, perhaps we can 
ask Jesus that he would help us to do that as individuals and as a church family in a way that means we shine, that our harmony and our love and our commitment not to grumble and complain and being shaped by our values and by serving wherever we are in our frontline places, whatever happens, conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, that all of those things would illuminate the path for people towards Jesus. We press on to win the prize for which God has called us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. The band will come back and lead us in some more worship, but let's pray. Just give us a moment of quiet to digest and think. Maybe you just want to, in the quiet, just recommit yourself, your own individual faith, your own person, to working out what God has worked in you this week. And we pray that you would help us as individuals and as a community to gladly receive the gift of faith that we don't deserve and work that out in our lives and in this community that we would shine like stars for you, illuminating and leading people to Jesus through who we are. Help us respond to the upward call of God in Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Before Calvin leads us in some closing worship, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be challenged by God's word, isn't it? And we, we stand on God's word in everything that we do. It's conscious that we come with all sorts of things going on in our lives. We're trying to work out what God has worked in, but we come in our humanity too, don't we, with all the mixture of stuff that's happening. And I just want to remind you that uh, every Sunday we have a prayer team here and uh, we love to pray with people. So at the end of the service, there'll be people down at the front here to pray with you. If there's stuff going on, you need help with what God is working in as you work it out, or you just need someone to stand with you in prayer, then a reminder that that is available to you and we would love to do that at the end.